High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 High FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kivman and it's great to be with you here on this wonderful afternoon. Can you believe it? Tomorrow will already be Rosh Chodesh. In fact, this evening is Rosh Chodesh Adar, time for joy and celebration. And indeed, we are looking forward to usher in a brand new period of no more struggles and suffering as the world has seen in the past 12 months. In fact, I think the last big major event that we were able to have together was Purim, nearly 12 months ago last year. So it's time to celebrate. It's time to tap into the mazel, the joy and celebration in the month of Adar. Of course, as director of Chabad Seniors Programs, we here are involved in making sure we get our food parcels out to the elderly. So if you know anyone who would like some food for Shabbos or needs elderly people, because there are other wonderful organizations in the community who look after others, well, if you know any seniors who need help, please do reach out to us here at Chabad, and we will certainly make an effort to help them as well. We look at the ups and downs of life, and certainly when I talk with many of the seniors whom I interact with all the time, and study and spend time with, we look at the ups and downs. And what's very interesting is when I was looking at today's Chumash reading, it is a reminder that Pesach is coming. It's around the corner. And I just want to read to you a few verses very briefly because these verses give us a a very stark reminder about, again, how we Jewish people you know, we always stood out from the crowd, always a little bit different. We have our special dietary laws. We have our own day of rest. We have a distinct dress code. There's so many different rituals and traditions and customs of how we do things, how we celebrate our own festivals, so different than, than the rest of the world. You know, who's thought of a festival where for eight days all you do is eat cardboard? Okay, it's not that bad. It's great. Come to the Pesach retreat. You won't have to worry about eating cardboard because we'll have plenty of good, delicious kosher for Pesach and COVID-safe food for you. But the point you understand I'm making is we've always stood out. We've always been different. And there's probably a million and a half other things which identify us very distinctly as being Jewish. Different than everyone else. And that's a blessing. That's a good thing. You know, from the most basic function of the way we measure time, it is done in its own distinctly Jewish way. And it is something that I read in today's Chumash portion, which of course I thought would be worthwhile to share this point with you because even from the most, for the most basic function of the way we measure time, it's obviously different than everyone else. Now you're thinking, what do you mean? Everybody looks at their watch. Everyone looks at their clock or calendar. Yes, that's true, but there's Jewish time. And I'm not just talking about punctuality here, which we could talk about as well. I'm thinking, I'm talking about the way we count our months and years and the specific reason for how we do it, which was different than everyone else. You know, of course, we're coming to Purim in two weeks, but we had Hanukkah not too long ago. And the story goes that after uh, the conquest of Israel, 2,300 years ago, you think of the Hellenistic culture that was pervading Israel at the time, and that which Antiochus, the villain in the Hanukkah story, 
tried to do away with. And one of the first things that the Assyrian Greeks then targeted was Kiddush HaKadosh, the way we sanctify the moon, because that is a uniquely Jewish practice, very, very different than the other holidays, than the way the rest of the world marks their calendars. So what is it that makes the Jewish calendar so unique? Why is it that we have our leap years? You know, you think even what a secular leap year is versus what a Jewish leap year. A secular leap year, adding a day, the Jewish leap year is adding on a full month every three years. And we find it here, not in, in today's Chumash reading, because our Parsha, which is interesting, it's immediately, immediately after the story of Mount Sinai, when God gave us the Torah that we read last week, where every single Jewish man, woman, and child ever to exist was spiritually present. And here in our Parsha, we're told how to take those laws that God gave us and how to implement them in our lives and in this world and to make it part of our day-to-day life. And here's the interesting thing. The Torah says, Shalosh regalim techagli bashana. Three times you should celebrate for me during the year. Eschag hamatzos. Here's the point. Pesach, six weeks away. But the Torah says you should observe Pesach, Shivas Yamim. For seven days, toch hamatzos, you should eat matzah, unleavened bread. Kasher Like I have instructed you, like I've commanded you. What does it say? Lamoid Chodesh Ha'aviv. When should this Pesach be? Lamoid. And it's a point of time, which is when? In Chodesh Ha'aviv, in the month of Aviv. What's Aviv? Well, we have to understand what the word Aviv means, but it's generally translated as the season of spring. Why? Because that's when you left Egypt, and therefore you should not appear empty before me. So the Torah is commanding us to observe and celebrate Pesach when in the time of Aviv, which is generally translated as the spring season. And the reason for that is multiple. There's various reasons explained. Rashi in our parsha tells us the word Aviv, which means a father. Right? And what's the first born um, earliest month for fruits to ripen is Nisan. That's when the spring season begins. And so our sages tell us Aviv is coming uh, etymologically, you could say related to the word uh, Av, which is father, meaning first, giving birth to, right? So we're referring to the spring season and this is uh, discussed at great length how the, how Aviv means spring spring season, but the point is the reason why Pesach has to be celebrated during the spring, as the Torah tells us here, is because it reminds us of the very first Pesach, which took place when during the spring, and this of course allows us to reflect properly and to recall to commemorate the liberation the exodus of our ancestors from their slavery in Egypt that God took us out with an outstretched arm. And when was it? In a time that would be most suitable when the weather conditions would be most uh, appropriate because the temperatures outside wouldn't be 
too hot, wouldn't, it's not the summer yet, wouldn't be too cold, it's not the winter. So this is the season of spring, and that is precisely why our festivals are connected. Well, it's not only because of Pesach, but Pesach specifically, that has to be in the spring season, and so the Torah reminds us exactly that. And in a moment, when we get back, we'll talk about the festivals, why particularly they have to be in their specific seasons. There's also the agricultural seasons in Israel, and we'll discuss that and, of course, apply the relevant and important messages for our life. We'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. If you've reached the stage where you're delving between couch cushions and looking under car seats with the hopes of finding a few bucks, it's time to SMS Outsurance. They can either save you money on your car insurance every month, or you can ask them for 500 rand cash if they don't. And if you've been claim-free and with the same insurer for three years, you could ask them for 1,500 rand. Don't let an empty pocket drive you to the extreme. SMS out to 40251. And Outsurance will call you back. Outsurance is a licensed insurer and FSP. T's and C's apply. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, ladies and gents. We're talking here about our festive seasons. And reminder that Pesach is only six weeks away. And if you don't want to prepare for your Pesach at home, well, you could come join us for a COVID safe Pesach at the Pesach retreat. With Pesach in mind, you might be wondering, well, didn't you just say, Rabbi, that Pesach has to be in the spring? And here, Pesach is generally getting close to autumn season. So how does that work? Well, in the land of Israel, Pesach has to be in the spring season. As the Torah tells us, it's in today's Chumash reading. Very clearly, the Parsha says to observe Pesach when? In the appointed season, which is the spring season. Now, the Torah tells us that the Shalosh Regalim, the, the pilgrimage festivals, have to be celebrated actually in tandem at the same time as the various agricultural successes that we experience. Now, I know you and I are just enjoying food that we buy in the great, wonderful kosher shops around us. But firstly, back in the time when our ancestors settled in the land of Israel, agriculturally, that was the, the kind of profession most people did. People were farmers. So each festival was connected with an agricultural season. Pesach was the beginning, it was in the beginning of spring. Then Shavuos would be celebrated during the actual harvest season, which is, um, what, 50 days after the beginning of Pesach, right? Because, remember, we're counting 49 days from the second night of Pesach. And then we have Sukkot, which we celebrate at the end of the harvest when you're it's when you're gathering all the stuff in. When you're gathering all of your harvest into your homes, which is the very end of the season. So this way we see that each of our festivals, every Yom Tov, the three pilgrimage festivals, are not only a commemoration and thanksgiving to God for the blessings and miracles that we experienced centuries, millennia ago, but also 
it is a way for us to thank God for the harvest that we experienced. And this we also see the way the Torah uses the word celebration. There's no celebration even mentioned when it comes to Pesach. Pesach is considered the holiday, Zman Chei at the time, the festival of our liberation, of our exodus. That's his commemoration. By Shavuos, we mentioned celebration once because it's the beginning of the harvest season. Well, you see that your harvest is just starting out. You're, you're getting to see what's to come. But only when Sukkot comes around and you've brought all your grains, all your fruits inside, ah, now you can really truly celebrate because you can appreciate all of the good, all your produce. You don't have to worry. You're not concerned about whether you'll have a good harvest or not because it's all come through. And that's why when it comes to Sukkot, the Torah mentions three times triple mention of celebration, the Samachta, that you should be joyous on that holiday. So I guess we could say that firstly, our holidays are connected to the agricultural um, in gathering the harvest, which obviously is related to the sun. But in Starting this week, we're going to be reading a special portion. There's four special parshas we read. The first one is Shkalim. Um, Shkalim, yes, that's this week. By the way, good mnemonic to remember what the names of these four special parshas. Start off with Shkalim, which is about payment. It's about the contribution we make towards the temple, towards the tabernacle, which is also the census that was formed, but it's a payment. The second one is Zachar. We're going to read before Purim, that next week, I guess, already. We're going to read Zachar, next Shabbos, to remember what Amalek tried to do to destroy us and throughout our history, how we've encountered one enemy after another that's tried to eliminate and completely annihilate the Jewish people off the face of the mass of the world to solve the Jewish problem. And after that, we're going to read the third special portion, which is Para, about cleansing ourselves before Pesach so when the temple when the Beis HaMikdash is rebuilt one can actually offer the Karban Pesach, now of course we can't offer sacrifices today but the point was back in the times of the temple that it was a reminder to purify oneself to be ready for Pesach and that was through the Para Aduma, the red heifer and finally the last one is HaChodesh HaChodesh is the one I wanted to talk about now which is Kiddush HaChodesh, how we sanctify the moon in order for us Jews to determine our festivals when they're meant to be celebrated, which is, of course, based on, like we just said, the moon. So a good way to remember it, the mnemonic, is it pays to remember the cow jumped over the moon. It pays, Shkalim, to remember Zachar, the cow, Para Aduma, Parsha Para, and the fourth one is the moon, Kiddush HaChodesh, Parsha HaChodesh, and what do we seem to indicate when we read Parshas HaChodesh, which we read a few weeks ago as well in Parshas Bo or Beshalach, where we mention the mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh, sanctifying the new month by sighting the moon. So hold on a sec. Is the Jewish calendar based on the agricultural seasons, which is solar connected? Or is our calendar determined by the lunar cycle? Which one is it? 
Are we governed by the seasons? Does Yom Tov have to be in Chodesh Aviv against spring related to the solar system, the solar year? Or is it the lunar cycle? Which way does it work? And the answer is, of course, both. Okay, life necessitates and the Jewish way of determining our festivals is based on both because, in a sense, both have important messages and lessons for us. So in order to have the recurring festivals on a certain date or just in order to evaluate a certain time period, we need a structured method, how we're going to measure periods of time. And unlike the the, the Gregorian calendar, which the Christians tend to follow, which was, I think, introduced by Julius Caesar, we don't solely, strictly follow the solar calendar. And unlike our Muslim cousins, the Islamic calendar, which is based on the moon, we don't have a strictly lunar calendar either. What do we have? A Jewish calendar. What's a Jewish calendar? A lunar solar calendar. A combination, a synthesis of both sun and moon cycles. So let's just quickly unpack and understand the difference. You see, the civil Gregorian calendar is based entirely on the solar cycle. Now we know that it takes 365 days for the sun to circle the earth. And that orbit creates the four seasons of the year. Of course, northern, southern hemisphere is different. We have reverse seasons. But you look at that natural cycle. And so the Gregorian calendar is one that is based 365 days of the year, based on the 365 days of the solar cycle. So in theory, such a calendar really doesn't have place for months. Because the sun's orbit doesn't distinguish between different time periods during the year. There's just one set time block of 365 days, and that's the cycle of the sun. But for practical purposes, obviously, in order to subdivide the year into smaller time periods, so that's why the Romans established the, a, the idea of a solar calendar consisting of 12 months. Why 12? Well, I guess that's connected with the 12 lunar months throughout the solar year. So they established that the solar year should be divided into 12 smaller time periods that are called months, but that's just, call it arbitrary, but it's there's no intrinsic meaning. It is there just to subdivide the solar year. If technically it would have been more beneficial to divide the year into 15 or 20 months, then so they would have done. And in fact, I recall once reading that the original Roman solar calendar, in fact, consisted of 10 months. So today, obviously, it's 12 months and, you know, some modifications for the leap year as adding in an additional day every few years or so. But that's the Gregorian calendar. Now, unlike the Romans, the Islamic calendar is based completely on 
the moon on the lunar cycle. The moon orbits the earth approximately every 29 and a half days. So during this cycle, the moon, as we could obviously see if you just look up at night, depending on the day of the month, the moon waxes. It becomes a full moon. And then it wanes. It disappears. It's gone. And then, of course, brand new moon again. So the Muslims decided that they were going to establish their calendar based on this cycle, starting with the new moon and ending when it disappears. Such a calendar really doesn't have place for years because the lunar cycle doesn't distinguish between years. All it's measuring is it's 29 or so days. But obviously for practical purposes and in order to have a substantial period to measure time and to be in sync with the solar calendar, so the Islamic calendar also divided up to 12 months. Why 12? Well, same logic as the Romans and to basically keep in sync with them, but there's really no such thing as a year, but you want to just be in sync with those around you. Well, that's the Islamic calendar and it makes total, complete sense. Now, that is why, in fact, you might discover sometimes, not sometimes, every year Ramadan moves over another 11 days. Because the cycle, if you're going to count 29 or 29.5 times 12, you're only getting 354 days, which is the Islamic calendar exactly is. That's 11 days shorter than the solar calendar, which is 365 days. So every year the Islamic calendar, the Islamic year is 11 days shorter than the previous or than the solar year. And that's why you'll find that the Islamic festivals are going to move. They're going to shift 11 days each year. And Ramadan can be celebrated in different seasons as it moves on. Now, the what's very interesting here is if you look at our calendar, we have obviously days, weeks, months, years. What's the Hebrew word for a year? Shana, right? Now, what does Shana mean? Shana means to repeat, like Shona Halachas, right? To repeat, to, to, um, the, the, the idea of repeating the Shana or Shona is the concept that the solar cycle repeats itself, keeps on repeating itself. Year after year, the sun takes 365 days to complete its orbit. Whereas the word for month in Hebrew is Chodesh. Chodesh comes from the word Chadash, new, or renewal. And that's the lunar aspect of the month. Every month, every 29 and a half days, brand new moon starting from scratch. So I think this is a fascinating idea, the synthesis of our calendar, that it's a combination of both the, sol- the solar and the lunar calendars. And I guess that's why it's called a lunar solar calendar. Where you have a 29 and a half day month, just like the Islamic calendar. But together with that, the Jewish year is based on the solar cycle, which is 365 days. And what happens is, by having the combination of both, we're no longer facing that 
issue that the Islamic calendar has, which I guess isn't an issue for them because they don't have any instruction to celebrate a particular festival in a, in a certain season. But our Torah tells us that we have to celebrate Pesach in the spring season. Lamoed b'chodesh ha'aviv. Lamoed chodesh ha'aviv as we read in today's Chumash reading. So in order to make up the discrepancy and not have the 11-day shortfall like the Islamic calendar, that's why we add in an additional month. Not this year. Tonight is Rosh Chodesh Adar. But other years, probably next year will be a, not last year was not, but next year I think will be again a leap year. It's every third year or so. So you're going to have that leap year where we're going to catch up. And that's possibly why our holidays, our Jewish festivals, are always in different, you know, where they have to be in the right season. But it's never on the same day. It's either ahead or it's behind. So it's very nice that our calendar obviously has this very interesting synthesis. But everything we learn in Judaism is not history. If you look at the English word for Torah or the Latin word is Bible. Bible is related to the word bibliography, which is history. But Torah is not history. Torah means hora'ah. It's an instruction for our life. Everything we learn is not history. It's our story. It's about making it relevant and practical in our own lives. Everything in Torah has to have some kind of a lesson, some relevance as an inspiration for the way we live our lives. So, of course, then, what's the lesson of the Jewish calendar being Luna Solar, being a synthesis of both? And very simply, we have to apply the two ideas of the sun and the moon. And perhaps then you can ask yourself, which one are you? Are you like the sun or are you like the moon, which we will discuss just now? But first, we need to ask you, we need to engage you. We know that they are here for us in the worst of times. They step in to assist us when life has stopped. They are the cemetery workers, the men and women of the Hebrew Kaddisha, the Jewish Helping Hand, and the Burial Society. Over the last year, we know how their service was so much more essential than ever. They are the unsung heroes, and we at Chai FM want to change that. Zion Adar is the day in which the community traditionally acknowledges and appreciates the service of our cemetery workers. And this year, you can help honor those heroes by sending them happiness in a box. Shabbos meals and gifts for next Shabbos, the 19th of February, which is the Shabbos of Zion Adar. Next Friday is Zion Adar. So next Friday, Shabbos, let's honor our heroes by sponsoring a box or part of a box. Go to chayfm.com and honor our heroes which is a Chai FM community initiative to learn more. Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Salta Salam Rabbi And before we were talking about our unique Jewish calendar. And of course, it's a reminder about how soon Pesach is coming. And we explained why it is that our calendar is the way it is, a synthesis of the lunar and solar calendars. But now we want to talk about the relevance of the sun and moon in our own lives. And you could just look up 
right now, wherever you are. If it's day or night, doesn't matter. Because if you look up and see the sun, we know the sun is there every single day, day in, day out. It's unchanging, it's shining, it's giving, it's radiating, it's light to us in every single day. Of course, if you look at the moon, though, it is different. The moon waxes, wanes, gets bigger, smaller, disappears, starts again. And that, of course, symbolizes two aspects, two ways of life, two types of personalities. And we might even have a combination of both personalities, just like our sun, our solar lunar calendar. We might call us lunatics for that reason, you know, up and down and changing. And you think about different types of people you interact with, which one perhaps is a greater contributor playing a more important role in their company and the business. You might have one person who is there very early each morning, punctually arrives at work, is there throughout the day, constantly doing the different tasks that are assigned to that person, you know, never does anything out of line, a real stable, reliable, consistent character. On the other hand, you might encounter people who are different. They're not always on time. They might not always fit the mold. They might even be moody, unpredictable. But such people could also be very creative. They could be more inventive. They might push the boundaries, push the envelope. And if you think about it, which one is more valuable for the company? And the truth is both. They both have qualities that they bring to the table that make that can really make a business prosper and succeed. A growing, innovative business needs both. You need the reliable type of worker and you also need the creative entrepreneur. You need both aspects. You want to make sure the business doesn't become stagnant, but at the same time, you want to make sure it runs smoothly and efficiently. And therefore, you need a combination the, 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 uh, the synthesis of both personalities. And many, you could apply this to our relationship with God as well. You know, on the one hand, the Torah wants and demands consistency, right? We see, for example, the sacrifices that were offered in the temple. Day in and day out, 365 days a year, we pray. And in the temple times, 365 days, every day was the carbon tummy that was offered. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, no matter if it was Shabbos, Yom Kippur, whatever day of the week it was, we always did it. And that's why it's called Tamid. It was constant. It was consistent every single day. And this is reflected in our prayers today. We don't have the Beis HaMikdash, but our prayers are the continuation of that. And that consistency is important. When you have constant repetition, when you have a certain diligence in life, when you have, when you form a habit that you extend over a particular period of time, it becomes second nature or becomes maybe first nature. It becomes routine. And that's very important on the one hand. That you need to have that consistency in life. Very, very important. But at the same time, as we have that constant, predictable aspect, 
which becomes natural to us. You don't think twice about brushing your teeth in the morning or the evening. You know you need to eat your meals each day. The same thing is on our service of God. It has to be on a constant basis. We have to know each and every single day. We pray three times a day, regardless whether I'm home, whether I'm in quarantine, whether I'm on holiday, wherever I am, it's the same thing. Day in, day out, I do, I follow, I do exactly as I'm meant to be, like the sun, which is consistent in our lives. And it's important that when you have that consistency, you know that, you know that everything will be exactly the way it's meant to be all of the time with complete dedication and commitment. There's that persistence. But together with that, together with that, that, um, reliability that you have the sun, even on a cloudy day, the sun is still shining. We also have the other quality that makes up our calendar and that each of us need to have in our life. Besides for our consistent commitment, we also need to be like the moon. We need to have our newness, our innovation. We got to be fresh. We have to keep on and constantly seeing every day, Mechadesh, Betuva, Becholiam, Tamid, Masa, God constantly recreates the world. We too need to have that aspect in our own life. We can't get bored and we can't just remain stuck in one place. So consistency is important. But you need to infuse that consistency with ensuring that we don't become stagnant or satisfied with where we are. Every day we need to have new enthusiasm, new passion, new excitement, just like the moon that is constantly changing. And that's the idea of Chodesh. Tonight is Rosh Chodesh. We need to ensure that we implement that idea in our lives of newness, of novelty, of innovation each day as well. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiedman, and today we talked about, we explored the lessons that we could learn from the uniqueness of our Jewish calendar, how it's different from the Gregorian or Christian calendar and different than the Islamic calendar. And of course, the relevance that it has to our day-to-day lives and how we should inculcate those ideas in our lives. That like the sun, we need to have our consistent dependency. But like the moon, we also need to ensure that there's constant innovation and novelty. Every day should be a new, fresh day with enthusiasm, with passion, with excitement. And this leads me to conclude with the following thought that tonight is Rosh Chodesh. And after all, Rosh Chodesh is an opportunity for us to renew. Rosh Chodesh means the head of the month. And of course, it reminds us about the importance of time. Time, they say, I think it was Aristotle, they, they say, said this idea that asked his students, who is the best teacher but kills all of his pupils? And answered, after all, it's time. Time just disappears. It just flies away. We wonder what on earth happened to our time. Well, considering that tonight is Rosh Chodesh, it's a new beginning, and it's an opportunity for us to reflect on the significance of Rosh Chodesh. It's not called, you know, new month. 
it's called the head of the month. And likewise, you could say Rosh Hashanah, right? It's the head of the year. Very, very important because we had January first a month ago, and that was New Year. It wasn't head of the year. But we, of course, have to be different, like we said before. Everything in Judaism is different. And so it's called the head of the year or the head of the month. But why this type of terminology? Now, you don't have to be a neurosurgeon to know that the head contains our brain, which, of course, controls the rest of our body. And it's obvious that, you know, obviously from a biological point of view, that the brain is the centralized control system of the rest of our body, all of our organs, all of our limbs. And through the central nervous system, our brain is connected to every single part of our body. That's able to guide and monitor and, and in fact, to protect our our system that we do the right things and, and protect ourselves, keep ourselves safe and do what our body needs to do. So without the brain, our body couldn't function, obviously. And that's exactly what Rosh Chodesh is. What the brain is to our body, Rosh Chodesh is to the month, just as Rosh Hashanah is to the year. But we're, we have an opportunity now to start again, to start afresh. It's not just the, it's not just a new month. It's not just the beginning of the month. But Rosh Chodesh tonight is the head of the month. It encompasses within it the entire month ahead. We are able to give direction and guidance to the whole month of Adar, the best, most joyous, festive month of the year. When our mazel shines, it's a month of tremendous success. So here's our opportunity. Tonight, we have a whole brand new energy. The energy of Rosh Chodesh, of Rosh Chodesh Adar, that this joy should flow to the rest of the, of the month. So we have to tonight make sure that we're joyous with our family. Start this beginning in a beautiful way to make sure that indeed we control the month the way we want it to be, that the head controls the rest of the month. And what better way to start than to start today? So my friends, let's take this message about the mitzvah that we read in today's Chumash portion with Pesach coming up. And with Purim coming sooner, we know about how our calendar works that we learned today. And we realize that every single day, we have just those 24 hours. But what am I going to do to make them most meaningful? And so as we start a new month tonight, let us choose to infuse that time with sanctity. Let's make this month a brand new beginning when indeed we could look ahead that not only is our time not squandered and wasted away, as unfortunately many people do, but rather, how am I going to use that in the most productive and, in fact, the most sacred way? In a few weeks' time, when we're going to read Parshas HaChodesh, we're going to remember this message and realize, ah, we have a new beginning, a new month of redemption. But now, we've, as we enter the final month of the year tonight, the month of Adar, let's infuse our lives with the joy and with the message of Adar. And forget about what's happened in the past. We can't in any way reclaim the time that's gone. But we can sanctify the time that's about to come. With that, my friends, I remind you our weekly message. Carpe diem. Seize the moment and suck 
the marrow out of life, make sure to leave it, to live it most meaningfully, because yesterday is history and tomorrow's a mystery. But today is a gift of God, and that's why it's called the present. Remember the past. Live the present and trust the future. Have a great Shabbos. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.